Good evenings, spooksters, parastalkers, grand poobars, and all you lurkers out there. It is Spooky Sunday time on Newcastle Live Radio with your hosts, myself, Anne Rekovic, and Renata Daniel. Good evening, everyone. How are we all doing this week? We are currently heading into Scotland, I do believe, Renata. Hi. <laughs> oh, Kai. <laughs> And we apologise now to all those people who may be from Scotland. Um, we don't mean to upset you, but there you go. Well, I think actually we're we're, um, we're starting off in one of your favourite places this week, but I'll, I'll get to that shortly of all the locations that we're going to visit this mm-hmm. week. Because mm-hmm. um, so I've got a spooky story. Oh, have you? Yes, I do. Oh. This is my news of the week, everyone. All right. Well, I've got a question. Would you live in... A an old funeral home? Um, I, I would. I, I maybe you know, fifteen years ago, I would have been dubious mm-hmm. uh, and worried. But now I'd be going hell yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, this uh, comes from um, one of our favourite newspapers of all time, The Sun in England. But it's actually a story about an American couple who have purchased an old funeral home to live in. And they quote as saying, it's a bit of a fixer-upper. <laughs> as you do. This is, oh, then we've got the Hounds of the Baskervilles <laughs> out there. So this is a fixer-upper and it was originally a hospital in the 1900s. Mm. But these two... Yeah, intrepid uh, young people, Mike and Robin Lagare, have purchased this home and they have undergone renovations. And uh, let me tell you a little bit about their story. So Mike and Robin Lagare, partners and owners of construction and project management companies Lagaro Homes, bought the unique fixer-upper colonial in August um, of 2017 for $550,000 American. That's that's a lot of money. Mm. Must be a big property. It is. At the time of purchase, the Winthrop, Massachusetts house was advertised as spanning over 3,100 square feet. What? And housing four bedrooms and two and a half bathrooms. That's huge. So it's a big place, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. And yep. Massachusetts, hello. Mm. Oh. We all know about Massachusetts. So in an Instagram post shared a few months after their big purchase, the couple called it a big old beaut with a ton of potential, but admitted they were slightly overwhelmed. Gosh, you would be with a house that size. However, the determined couple who have been together for nearly a decade have come a long way since then and even moved into the two-bed, one-bath upstairs apartment as they work on the rest of their special home. Oh, we've done a podcast, haven't we, We about someone else who moved into a part of a funeral home. Do you remember which one it is? It didn't work out well, did it? It's in Connecticut? It's a, yeah, it's a famous poltergeist yep, story. Oh, it's more. it was a demonic story because yes. our favourite investigators were involved in that one, mm-hmm. the Warrens. And that was the Snedeker family. Yes. Oh, yes. Listen to that one on the True Hauntings podcast, guys. It's got curly tails. Mm, it does. So, of course, there's something chilling about living in a hospital-turned-funeral home. But for Mike and Robin, that's part of the charm. Oh, isn't that lovely? <laughs> the house behind the history behind the house no, um, says that Mike and Robin knew that they were buying a funeral home, 
as a potent. Now, we've got to keep an eye on this because here we have a piece of information that says they knew they were buying a former funeral home. And this was one of the things that um, propped up in the Snedeka case where they said they were going into this place and they never knew it was a funeral home. Which turned out to – oh, you'll have to listen to it, but uh, um, may have been a furphy. (laughs) So Mike and Robin have nicknamed this place our final resting place. Oh, that's gold! But what they did not expect was the history that came with the place. So according to a historical document held by the Winthrop Public Library in Pennsylvania, native Dr Ben Hicks Metcalf moved to Winthrop in 1897 and established his successful practice in their home, right? Well, the home that they have now bought. His skills were so fought after... So sought after, sorry, that he eventually built a private hospital at 174 Winthrop Street that fit 15 beds in 1904. Oh, so he, like, he was that popular that he could make his own little hospital there. Yeah. Wow. So Dr. Metcalf was pulled away from his practice in 1918 to serve in World War I, but returned oh, once the war ended. He made it. Yeah. However, he was forced to retire in 1922 due to complications caused by the war. So that was probably a bit of mental and physical yeah. stuff that was happening. He practiced, um, his practice stayed open and in operation until 1932 when the Winthrop Community Hospital opened. So according to Robin and Mike, the hospital was then transformed into the Alfred B. Marsh Funeral Home in 1941. It operated as such until 1972 when the home was acquired by Mr. Fraser and renamed the Fraser Funeral Home. Now, Mr. Fraser held funerals here about um, until about a year before they purchased their property. Mm-hmm. And despite the home's history filled with death and sickness, the Lagares celebrated. It's a kooky old home with a unique history and we love everything about it. But, but is, here is we it go. haunted? <laughs> is it haunted? So while Mike and Robin joke online that it's a haunted house, they haven't shared any hair-raising ghost stories on their social media. So you can follow these guys and find out what's going on. They do poke fun at their story, though. They dressed up as Gomez and Morticia Adams for <laughs> Halloween and call their home the spookiest house on the block. So despite not having any ghost stories, they have found several items through their renovations that paint a picture of the home's interesting past. For instance, they once found a toy cork gun when their contractors were working on a drywall on the third floor. That's weird. And Robin and Mike uh, don't have don't um, have any children, and they think that maybe perhaps it was owned by Dr. Medcalf's children. They found scalpels. Oh. Um, and what looks like the bottom portion of a stretcher that deceased bodies would be placed on, and an old clay pipe. So while this wasn't necessarily found as it was hanging on the wall, Robin and Mike joked that the old telephone hanging in the basement says, saying they are nervous that it will start ringing in the middle of the night, <laughs> only to hear the sounds of heavy mouth breathing on the <gasps> other end. That's just me walking upstairs. Stop now, stop now. (laughs) So possibly the most interesting find is an old World War II plaque that was never placed on a gravestone. Oh. Oh. So 
though the couple is, is currently trying to track down any living members of the deceased veteran. Oh, that's nice. So they can be united with a touching piece of family history. Yeah. Yeah. So they are online and they are showing you a bit by bit the types of renovations that are going on. Um, it's quite fascinating to see the before and after photographs and um, you can follow them um, on their Instagram page. And what you are looking for, if I go back, I can find it, is um, our final resting place. That's what the Instagram is that called. That is brilliant. <laughs> what a great name, our final resting place. Yeah. Would you buy an old funeral home? Oh, if I had enough money, I would. Yeah, yep. it'd be my my bucket list to buy something that had some sort of creepy, dark background, and yeah. and then renovate it back to its former glory. But particularly if it was quirky, but yeah, it's harder to find in Australia, I think. Oh, yes, yeah. You're listening to the Spooky Sundays podcast with Anne and Renata. Ah, now we get to dangle the carrot of where we are going to visit this week. Okay, I'm 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 there already, but let's go there. <laughs> well, we are literally there already. So once again, guys, don't forget we aren't actually in the studio right now. We have worked our little fucking beavers off <laughs> to uh, pre-record shows for you, so you can keep up with us and what we're doing. Mm. Um, so right now, I think we're in. Um, where is that one? I, I'm trying to look down on the map. Oh, we've driven to Edinburgh. Oh, yes. Yeah, so we're in Edinburgh now. You've oh, got we're outside of Edinburgh because we couldn't well, afford being we in Edinburgh. <laughs> we're a little bit outside. Please consider becoming a, a Grand Poobah <laughs> Patreon uh, of Anne and Renata Frightfully Good and help us actually have a cup of coffee or even a meal occasionally. That's right. Won't hurt us to miss a few meals. But um, we are in Edinburgh and we you know, you're more familiar with Edinburgh than what I am. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So what sort of places are we going to visit there? Well, we're going to um, the, the most historic spots. So Which are? They, um, on the Royal Mile. Yeah. We'll be spending time on the Royal Mile and under the Royal Mile. So oh. one of the places we are going is Mary King's Close. Oh, yes. Which if you are in Edinburgh, you must go. Spend the money. It's, it's a little bit expensive, but it is worth taking yourself down under the Royal Mile and looking at how people live. I'm so excited to see this. Yeah. It's the, the history there is unimaginable. You could spend a couple of weeks there literally going uh, and never to different send places. Daylight. Yeah. <laughs> no, but going to different places every day and you still wouldn't even scratch the surface. Right. So we're going to um, probably, uh, well, we definitely are going to Greyfriars. We're going to try and yes. get into a uh, tour there. So I am hoping that by uh, the time you're hearing this, our tour has been booked and we're ready to rock and roll through Greyfriars. Uh, and um, we're going to go shopping. <laughs> shopping? <laughs> okay. Did someone say shopping? We're going to go shopping. Please consider becoming a grand poop. <laughs> 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 All right. Now, apart from that, we've also got um, Chillingham Castle. <gasps> Oh my God! This, this was the big. This was the big expense. This yeah. was the big, the biggest expense the of big the bazooka. trip. <laughs> and I'd like to thank um, our sponsor, my father. Yes, thank you for helping us get across the line on <laughs> thank this. Thank you, one. Barry. Thank you, Barry, and thank you to Robert as well, who has been so generous. Oh, you, thank you, Robert. You've been amazing, and we really do appreciate it. And I don't think we could do half the things we do if it wasn't for you. Um, so after Chillingham Castle, we're staying in the Grey Apartments. 
Yes. And that's uh, inside the castle. But yes. we're going to tell you more about that because I've got the stories on that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, then we fly to Dublin. Oh, to be sure, to be sure. And we're flying Ryanair, oh. which is when they land, it goes, do, 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 like it's a good <laughs> thing they've landed. <laughs> yeah. It's terrifying yeah, flying we'll with them. S- we'll I think see if we can record that for you. I think it's all the apprentice pilots that get a oh. shot at, at flying with real people. Yeah, well, it's only like five <laughs> minutes in the air and you've landed, so yeah. they think, oh, what could go wrong? <laughs> <laughs> uh, and uh, then we are oh, – where did we head? We're staying near we're, Belfast. Yeah, so we're in Northern Ireland. So we're going to land in Dublin. We pick up our hire car mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and this is where we hope they actually don't upgrade us to a big car because we do not want a big car on the roads of Ireland because it's terrifying. Um, our, our beautiful Danielle said, have you considered hiring a camper van? And I went, hell no. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> hell no. <laughs> the poor little Hyundai <laughs> i30 barely makes it. Never mind. <laughs> These roads are so narrow that two cars can't pass at the one time. And they have these like little, um, oh, what would you call it? I, th- I think in, in your bowel they call it divic- diverticulosis, where you have a little pocket at the side. <laughs> we, <laughs> we, or an, in the human body you call it an aneurysm, where there's a little pocket mm-hmm. and you dive off into the pocket to let the other people go past you. Yep. Um, it's not a lot of room. <laughs> and if there's a tractor on the road, you're stuffed. Yep, you just, you just no enjoy hope. the scenery. Yeah, and this is where you make sure you've got full insurance on the car. Yeah, <laughs> I did scratch one up last time. Trying to get to off to the side of the road, and we took a gouge. But they had forced us to have full insurance because I didn't have the type of credit card they wanted. Uh-huh. They wanted um, like a, a proper credit card, and I only had a debit credit card. Oh, okay. Um, so I was forced to pay the extra thirty dollars a day for insurance, and then I'm like, "Oh well, stuff is you. May, I've scratched up the car now. It's tough luck." <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, I don't normally scratch up cars. Um, uh, so, yeah, we're driving up to Belfast into Northern Ireland, and mm-hmm. you've not done that before. No, no. Very different feel in New Northern, territory for me. Yeah, Northern Ireland, and it's a different accent. Mm-hmm. And the Northern Ireland is actually still part of Britain, so they still use the sterling pound and everything up there, whereas Ireland uses the euro. Uh-huh. So um, there's a, we've discovered there's a little, still a little bit of angst between the north and the the, the main part when we were trying to work out what to call our t-shirt, uh, whether it should be the. Um, Ireland uh, road trip or it should be the air road trip or um, so we're going with Irish we just figured that's safer Um, yes so uh, we're going to head up to there and we have got all these little haunted places and this is where we start our sacred bush and holy holes tour yes and I well there's a t-shirt are we going to go back to that that church that sells the huge road I need to go back to the church. I, that is my one big regret. <laughs> because of I can see, I can see a place behind your head where that that rosary bead is just going to sit and <laughs> hang forever. And they can, glow in the dark. Glow, it's even better. I know, they glow in the dark. They're like six foot tall. I I do not joke. <laughs> my biggest regret. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we're going to do that. We there's we found uh, a sacred priest bush. Um, so we're going to visit the priest bush and we're going to try and stick our head head in as many priest holes as we can find. Yes. Um, and one of those priest holes is at um, Dobbins Inn. Dobbins Inn. So we're going to have a night in Dobbins Inn 
And then we put up on one of the Facebook pages something about, uh, you know, we're going to be going to Northern Ireland and um, lovely Joe said to us all, how about you contact this team? So we contacted that team and put a post up and uh, then they reached out, someone reached out from there and it was uh, Northern Ireland Shadowhunters and they said, guys, we actually run the tours at Crumlin Road Jail. Would you like to come along and um, enjoy the night with us? We've gone. (laughs) You don't have to ask us Twice? <laughs> yes, please. Yes, please. Yes. So we're, we're going to go do that. But then the fun part starts. We meet up with Danielle, our Irish-Australian correspondent. She's an Aussie local Newcastle girl who is living in Ireland. She mm. found herself yes. an Irish man to marry. Yep. And she's settled down over there. And we met her last time. And um, that was two and a half years ago. And it felt like we'd known her forever. Yeah, she was just one of the team. She surprised us yeah. so many times. And um, Ooh, that, that's the alarm to say we've got other stuff to do. I'll get rid of that. <laughs> it won't stop. <laughs> Nothing's happening. Stop. Oh, lordy me. <laughs> uh, Welcome and, to live radio. And we took we uh, Danielle um, took us back to uh, Loftus Hall. Oh. We had that amazing, amazing moment yeah. in time where we could get one of the very last tours of Loftus Hall in, and um, it was with the beautiful Danielle. And you'll have to wait to see what we're going to get up to with Danielle next week because that will be the next part of the journey. We are in the throes of our uh, England road trip mm-hmm, at mm-hmm. this very moment in time. Yep. Not sure where we actually physically are on the planet. We are around Pendle Hill, <sighs> approximately. Yes. And um, in our next uh, Spooky Sundays episode that we're going to do, I've got a little bit of news about Pendle Hill, so uh, I'm going to share it uh, oh, nice, next week. Nice. Yes. yes. So yes. We've, we've, we've just left Pendle Hill heading towards Edinburgh. We're okay. heading into the borderlands. All right. And um, love Edinburgh. Been there twice, I think, twice, three times. Oh, no. So many times now. God. <laughs> oh, shut up, you cow. <laughs> uh, and where I'm talking, uh, the area that I'm talking about is infamous it really is and uh, i have been lucky enough to go on a tour uh, down under the guts of um the royal mile and uh, we're going to go we're going to yes, go we are yes, going to go we're going to go and look i'm i'm excited to get you underground um yeah i I don't mean that quite the way it came out there, but you, you won't do tunnels normally, so I'm excited no. that we will do these. And look, this isn't really a tunnel tunnel. You, yeah. You'll be quite surprised at how big it is down there mm. and um, the fact that people were living on top of each other yeah. under a road. Yeah, the city underground. It's just mind-boggling. Yeah. But anyway, I'm talking about Mary King's Close. Right. And um, Mary King's Close is, uh, again, a very, very famous part of Edinburgh. And uh, it was located in the centre of Edinburgh's old town during the 17th century. Now, the close was named in 1630 after Mary King, who was a fabric merchant who built her business after her husband's death. And close is actually a Scottish term for, like, avenues. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So in 1644, the plague hit Edinburgh and the narrow alleyways were overcrowded, which provided the perfect breeding ground for the plague 
and it hit Enbra hard. Oh. Like they were dropping like flies. A bit like the Rona, huh? Now the problem was that you had a lot of very, very poor people. And because a lot of these buildings were being closed down because of the plague, because what they used to do is just shut the whole place down they, and, they'd and nail go, the door shut, wouldn't they? Yep, they'd go, sorry, see you later. Just if you survive, we'll see you in two weeks. If yeah. you're still alive, it's yeah. all good. Yep, and of course they didn't. So Edinburgh was built within the medieval defence walls known as the Flodden Walls. And this meant that all the buildings were built up and the wealthy lived at the top, and everyone else lived in the near darkness at the bottom next to the sewage-covered streets. Oh, you know. yuck. And they, t- they tell you about this. They, they tell you about the story of Gardilu. Oh, the Gardilu, yes. Gardilu! <laughs> Duck. <laughs> mm, so the real Mary King's Close is a perfect way to really see the old Edinburgh. Mm, and I've yeah. not experienced it. I think I've been to Edinburgh once because I remember we went in search of uh, Haggis, and we found it in Edinburgh, but uh, why did you go searching for it? Because my husband wanted it, not me. Ah, mm. <sighs> oh, well, our my other travel buddy, Gail. Yes, yes. I, we mention her in every yes yep, episode. Sorry, she's, <laughs> she's with us. Of, she's, she's she's with us now. Yeah, she's a bit of a haggis lover. Oh, so she might have some haggis for breakfast. I don't want what's inside the haggis. It's the, the outside of the no, haggis. No, I it's don't. Like, I don't want any part of haggis. Oh. No, no. I'll eat blood sausage. (laughs) So Mary King's Close was a street in Edinburgh that was sealed off from the world, leaving all the people suffering from the bubonic plague trapped beneath. Nice. Wow. Now, these people were quarantined, literally, and left to die. The residents of the city above went about their everyday lives, just hearing the occasional scratching from underneath. Help. Help me. Help me. Help. I can't do it on this microphone. <laughs> Won't do it. Yeah. It, um, it's, a, it's a really, really sad, 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 sad story. Um, and did they even know that there were victims of a plague dying beneath their feet? Probably not. Mm. Probably not. Um, so Mary King's Close was bricked up, but all of the people who lived within plague infected or not were no longer living within the street. So they had their own rules, their own way of, of doing things, their own way of survival. Um, and during the plague, the 17th century residents that lived in what is now underground Edinburgh were treated really well. The close was quarantined and locals would bring food and water to this, to those suffering from the plague. Oh, So Mary King's close was abandoned in 1645. In Edinburgh's old town, many of the closes were demolished and redeveloped. Many closes, such as Mary King's close, was partially destroyed at Cockburn Street. Oh, we'll have to visit there on our <laughs> naughty trip. Ouchie. <laughs> and the remaining structures were used as foundations for the Royal Exchange, Edinburgh's city chambers. So Edinburgh's closes, like Mary King's close, is full of dark history. The Great Plague ravished the, oh, that's a bad word, the country, uh, infecting people and causing festering, pus-filled boils, swollen glands and uh, vomiting. So, look, Edinburgh was a pretty unhygienic place anyway. I mean, they used to throw their piss and poo out the windows uh, and the sewage flowed through the streets. Well, they didn't have a flushing toilet, Renata. Yeah, I know. Every household owned a bucket that spent all day in the corner of the living quarters being rapidly filled with urine, feces and whatever else. Oh, 
did, did they just go like in the they're in the oh. dining room they'll just go i'm just gonna go squat in the corner and <laughs> yes no i couldn't do yes. that that's my well, one place look, where i shut the, the door yeah look, for them it would have just been a normal way of oh, yeah yeah i'm a princess um, <clears throat> then at a specific time of day the warning cry gardi lu would be billowed before the bucket contents were thrown into the streets below um, that's that's a really nice way of putting it. As like when we were on the tour, they kind of said that shit was thrown out. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, throwing shit everywhere when, whenever they wanted to. Yeah, there wasn't a special time of the day. They so were, I bet some of them were actually waiting till somebody walked past so they could throw it. Yes. So of course, all of these conditions led to a fabulous breeding ground for flea-infested rats, ridden with bacteria. And before long, the deadly bacteria spread throughout the whole of the city and then through to Scotland. So contrary to popular belief, Edinburgh's plague victims were not trapped in Mary King's clothes but were treated by people known as plague doctors. Mm -hmm. Now, you've seen all of those, haven't you? You can buy a really good T-shirt, a plague doctor T-shirt. We'll we'll have to get a plague doctor T-shirt. Of course. And they have those beaks. The big hooks, yeah, when they'd stuff it with herbs and things to stop the, the, uh, what do they call them? The miasmas. Miasmas, that's miasmas. it. And they would actually be covered head to toe um, in like defensive gear. Hmm. Um, like today. Like today, absolutely. So their outfits comprised of thick leather cl- uh, cloaks and bird-like masks filled with sweet lavender and herbs. Got to talk to Christy about that. Uh, designed to keep airborne diseases out of the doctor's airways. The leather clothing pre- prevented infection-inducing rat bites, meaning the doctors wouldn't contract the plague. However, plague victims had to endure great pain at the hands of the doctor. Um, he would cut off the top of each boil, usually located in the armpit or groin, and would cauterise the wound by sticking a burning hot pole over it. Although incredibly painful, this form of treatment was quite successful. So you're taking me to this place to look where they all lived. And there's there's a really interesting ghostie down there, and they, they bring toys to the ghost. Oh. Yeah, it's a little ghost of a little girl. She's very well known. Can we um, take a little koala bear? We can. That would be really cool to leave a koala bear yeah. down there. Yeah. All right, we'll do that. Now, we are going to talk about another spot that I've never been to and it's on my bucket list. I can't I can't even think that you haven't been there. Yeah, because I keep I've heard stories from other people that have been to the Greyfriars Kirkyard mm-hmm. and the the famous Mackenzie Poltergeist mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. the amount of people that have been attacked by this poltergeist, including my friend Dean. I think he managed to duck um, a, an assault that was thrown, and the lady behind him or something caught it. Mm-hmm. He felt that there was something coming, so he's dodged out of the way, and the lady in front copped it well done Dean mm-hmm. um, uh, and I'm sorry if I've stuffed up that story but I, I, I did stick in my mind and I thought this is something I want to experience myself mm-hmm. so uh, this is a, a graveyard because the kirkyard is the graveyard isn't it yes and yep. there is a difference between a cemetery and a, a kirkyard or a graveyard yes yeah um, the cemetery doesn't have a t- church attached to it whereas the, the graveyard does. Yes. So this was um, near the, um, taken its name from the Franciscan Friary, which was on that site, but mm-hmm. dissolved in 1560. Mm-hmm. Um, the churchyard was uh, founded in August 1562. Just these dates. Yeah. This is crazy, these dates. Yep. Um, and the kirkyard is the Scottish names given to what we know as a churchyard. Mm-hmm. 
So you can wander through the the uh, the place in the daylight, and it's quite beautiful. Apparently, is it Renata? It's interesting. I wouldn't say it's beautiful. Um, I mean, I love all graveyards. I think they are an absolute fantastic source of history. So I think they're beautiful, but um, people wouldn't call it beautiful. Um, it was really from where I um, first when I first went to Edinburgh. We were in. Um, uh, we got really, really cheap accommodation. It was some fluke. We have this and time as well, but yeah. it's, I'm, I'm a bit worried about this one. <laughs> and um, the Kirkyard was actually virtually just around the corner. You literally walked out of the hotel, around the corner, up the street, uh, and the Kirkyard was there. So I must have gone to the Kirkyard four times yeah, just to explore and wow. just, just to be in there. I actually stuck my head into the mausoleum, Mackenzie's mm-hmm. um, mausoleum, and um, my hands went in. I took some photographs uh, during the day. I took some photographs of Any the orbs? kirkyard. No orbs? No. I'll have to find those videos and post them up Yeah, um, because they're um, an amazing place. Um, and when you look, when you're talking about the, the age of the site, uh, all of the headstones – of course, have all the information, and you kind of go, "Wow, I'm yeah. standing next to a headstone that's like older than Australia yeah. from the point of view of yeah. white settlement." Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but the, the, this whole Mackenzie poltergeist comes back to somebody that they used to call the Bloody Mackenzie. Yeah, um, and he was there to try and get things organised and get rid of the rebellion and everything that was going on there, if I remember correctly. Uh, and there's the Coven- Covenanters mm-hmm. um, had petitioned the king to allow them the freedom to practice their religion. Mm-hmm. That's all they wanted to do. They mm-hmm. just wanted to follow their religious beliefs. But of course, this is where it was all the conflict. Mm-hmm. And um, he, George Mackenzie had to make a statement, didn't mm-hmm. he? Yeah. So what did he do to them? He locked them away in part of the kirkyard mm-hmm. um, and they were there to really starve to death. And they they had to lay face down day and night, and I think it was winter as well, yeah. yep. um, and they were only allowed to get up if they were prepared to swear fealty to... Yes. Um, I don't know if it was the king or the religion or whatever it was they had to swear fealty to. Uh, and, of course... Being the Scotsman they are, there was no way that they were going to do that. Yep. So um, that's why it's um, he's referred to as Bloody Mackenzie. Um, he actually did some really good things as well. He he really believed in um, educating the poor people and yeah. trying to help them. Yeah, and given giving women an opportunity to um, be educated as well. Yeah, and reform. Yeah, absolutely. And look, we covered this one on True Hauntings and uh, this was right back one of our very early episodes uh, and we we refer to a book called The Ghost That Haunted Itself by Jan Andrew Henderson and you've now made contact with this person. Yes, and I've got another of his – oh, I've got two of his books. One of them is The City of the Dead, which is all about Edinburgh and um, I have another book that I'm currently reading – uh, and if anyone is interested, I'm going to put the links up um, to these books because Jan is a fabulous writer yeah. and he writes from the perspective of being a tour guide, yeah. which he is. He spent a lot of time um, at 
that cemetery. He does run tours there. And we're getting uh, in contact with the managers that are there at the moment and seeing if we can jump on one of the tours. I'm going to drop a name. But look, let me just give you a little quote and give you an idea of what it's like. This poltergeist isn't some drippy ghost that flits past looking like it's been blown off a washing line. It attacks people. I've seen bites, burns, scratches appear mysteriously on visitors' skin, he says. I've watched people fall down unconscious or burst into tears, claiming something invisible was hitting them. I often feel a bit sorry for our customers because they don't really believe something supernatural will happen until it does. Take the five children who on one of my tours began screaming in unison that something was choking them. I thought they'd cooked up a story together, which would have been a great prank, until I realised that none of them knew each other. Mm-hmm. Um, one, there was a minister who tried to exercise the poltergeist, and we all know how well exorcisms go. I should say exorcise, not exercise. Um, and uh, if I remember correctly, that didn't go so well, um, and he died a week later. Yeah. Yep. And later on, didn't his son come in and have a crack at it yes, as well? Yes, yep. Um, uh, that the, didn't work out too well either. Yeah, there was a, a loud American who rubbished everything I was saying before toppling out cold into a large puddle. I quite like that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and there was even the rumour, now this is not from his notes, that um, the what they're touting as the Mackenzie Poltergeist um, tomb mm-hmm. is not Mackenzie's tomb. No. So I want to look into that myself and find out a little bit more. But did you sense anything when you were there? No. <laughs> Great. Thanks for but, that, Renata. But I went during the day. But uh, we I all went know, during the day. We all know that that doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. But I, I dare say if I had not been there prior to going during the day, and I did go on my own, uh, and I went there for the first time at night, having heard all the stories that I've heard, it would be quite a different and atmospheric thing to yeah. do. And I reckon because um, there's another very, very famous um, uh, gravesite there, and that is of uh, Greyfriars Bobby. Oh, yes, the dog. Yes. Aww. And they had to get special permission for him to be buried. With his master. On the site. And he has his own grave site. Yep. And people do bring toys yep. um, and sticks. Squeaky toys. For him. <laughs> and um, I think, and there's um, his brass statue around the corner. Um, and you've got the pub there with the whole story that sits on the pub oh, wall. I can't so wait to see all this. I think we need to fortify ourselves with a drink oh, okay. at the pub before oh, we walk down. A cider. Yep, before we walk down into the pub. What do you uh, Into the graveyard. What yep. do you reckon? I reckon we'll have some spirit before we go see the spirit. You're listening to Spooky Sundays on Newcastle Live Radio. We are continuing with our little escapade, our road trip through beautiful England, Scotland. We're in Scotland at the moment Mm -hmm. and heading off to Ireland very, very shortly. Very soon. We've dipped our toe into Wales. Yes, we have. Just for a little bit. And shopped. Uh, And shopped and shopped and shopped. And um, just going to continue with some stories here of the places that um, we, at this point, as we are recording this, we will be seeing... 
Um, but when you hear this, we will be seeing him. <laughs> yep. So we uh, have come up to Chillingham Castle. Chilling, yeah. Chillingham Castle. This was the one where we decided to dig deep into our pockets. Oh, yes. We dug down the back of the lounge and oh, scrounged for coins down God. the sides of the car seats. We dug everywhere to find everything so we could stay one night one at night. One night. Chillingham Castle. <sighs> I'm so looking forward to this. So looking forward to this. Yes, it's £310 for the night. Yeah. I've never paid that much no. for accommodation in my life. And no. I'm excited to do that so that I can now say I've had the experience of that sort of accommodation. Mm. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Might, be, <laughs> might, be the, might be the only time we do that. And for that Have you told Gail yet how that, much this is? No. Oh, God. No. And, we're, and for that we're paying heavily with some of the other places that we're staying. Yep. <laughs> because they are definitely nowhere near as expensive. Nope. No. And I don't even think it includes breakfast. And some of the other little cheaper places we're staying at, we get breakfast. Yeah. yeah. Go figure. So um, let me tell you a little bit of history of Chillingham Castle. And I'm going to start this by saying it's packed with troubled spirits. Far, far too many to deal with on no account by this castle. And that's what was given as advice to Sir Humphrey Wakefield by a psychic just before he purchased his wife's ancestral seat, Chillington Castle, in eighteen uh, sorry, in 1982. So not oh, that long ago. That's not long ago at all. Yeah. So the castle, which was a former monastery, was built on the border between England and Scotland, the borderlands, um, and had been in the Grey family for 800 years before it was abandoned in 1932. Now, the Grey family that we're talking about are the Greys of... Earl Grey tea. Oh, twinings. So we are actually staying in Lady the Lady Grey room. We are. We're in the room. suite. Yes. Because that was the only room left. We had no <laughs> other choice. That's right. We had so we, no choice. In the time frame we were there uh, in Scotland, it was the only room. And I went, duck it. We're going to have to do uh, it. Yes. So if you'd like to become a Patreon, please <laughs> head over and become a Grand Poobah. <laughs> please. Yep, so in its day, Chillington had been the base of kings, played a significant role in the conflict between the two nations and hosted the deaths of thousands in its grounds. And by 1982, it was nothing but a ruin. So they've saved it from being a ruin. Ah. Mm. So during World War II, um, they excavated into the castle grounds uh, and they uncovered flint and antler arrowheads and axes dating back to the Bronze Age. Wow. So these tools um, may have been evidence that at some point in time where Chillingham Castle now sits was a prehistoric hunting campground. Wow. Now. Does that mean we're going to find some deer around there? Oh, dear. Oh, dear. <laughs> you took my line. Oh, I was going to say that. Um, now, by the Iron Age, local tribes had established a fort at Chillington um, and uh, it uh, buh, 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 overlooked the present castle's grounds. Now, by the 12,000s, the conflict was increasing along the borderlands between England and Scotland. Uh, monks built a house on the land below, below Ross Hill. Uh, this monastery was converted into a, a fortified manor house and it just had a tower and a curtain wall and the monarchy placed the new castle in the hands of the grave. Uh, the new castle, not new castle, new castle. The new 
Castle. Yeah, in the hands <laughs> of the Grey family in 1246. Now, uh, the Greys are actually descendants um, and kin of William the Conqueror. Interesting. Oh. Now, in 1297, the first Scottish War of Independence broke out, um, so more um, fighting. William War- Wallace actually raided Chillington. Um, burning local women and children alive in the church. Oh, that's horrible. Ooh, And um, the dungeon, Chillington's dungeon, began to be filled with enemy prisoners, Scottish women and children, as well as soldiers and spies. We're going down to the torture chamber, aren't we? <gasps> we are. Oh, God, there's going to be some EVPs and um, spirit box sessions being smashed You're out reckon? out there. <laughs> God. <sighs> now... In all, it says that 7,500 Scottish prisoners reputedly died at Chillington, yep. their bodies dumped in its lake. Yes, and wow. there's ghost stories attached to that lake as well, which sounds very much like the Lord of the Rings stories where you, you've got to keep away from the water because otherwise they'll grab you and drag you in. Oh, my God. Oh, I just got a shiver. Ooh, it's oh probably because it's freezing in here with the aircon. <laughs> I've actually got a jacket on. <laughs> Now, there was more kerfuffle in the 1300s um, and it became uh, Chillington um, or Chillingham Castle became uh, more looking like a castle, so more towers and moats um, were added to it. Um, It continued to be a guardian of the border regions for the next 200 years. Uh, The Grey family was split into their loyalties during the War of the Roses and Lord Chillington always stood by the crown. Now... Is Chillington Castle haunted? I'm going to leave that to you because you're going to talk about that, aren't you? I certainly am. Yeah. And now, that's the place where they have that those um, uh, uh, cattle that date back. Oh, yes. Date back to like... There's some rare cattle breed yeah. um, and there's... There's so few of them left in the world, or they're descendants of this rare yeah. cattle. And the, the, you can actually um, do a tour where you go out with the, the a special person. A special person? A special person that will take you out there, and he says, do not touch. Don't touch. <laughs> you can just look. Don't touch. Them's the cattle over there. Them the moo cows. <laughs> and you'll go, it just looks like normal cows. Oh, and they, he'll say, no. They've got big horns. They are not normal cows <laughs> because they all died 100 years ago and we had to replace them with normal cows. <laughs> they're not normal cows. We're pretending they're the originals. <laughs> just work with us on this one. <laughs> oh. oh, I'm sure they are, but, you know. Yeah. Let's go with it. And, um, yeah, so we might do a, a tour, the, the cow tour. Oh, God. <laughs> tour of the cows. I'm going to make sure I take my hiking boots for that then. <laughs> um, but we are staying in the Grey Suite, which is within the castle walls, which means that we can wander around the castle in our jammies. I better get some nice Jimmy Jams. I'm thinking that too. Because I've I don't got have any. Nothing. <laughs> I've got nothing. I mean, I've got pajamas. No, please don't think I don't. I've got plenty of pajamas. We've actually got matching pajamas. <laughs> we do. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Susan. Oh, we love them. And I, I found some in Best and Less that I bought for her as well. Should we, should we wear our ghost hunting Ghostbusters pajamas. I've got a onesie somewhere that's um, it, but it's got no arms. It's just it's like a singlet top onesie. It's as ugly as um, but um, 
I've got to remember, this is April over there, which we've just come out of winter and we're in the autumn. It's going to be chilly. I don't think I can wear my normal pyjamas I wear to bed in, in that situation. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to have to think on this. Yeah. We're going to have to think on yeah. it. We are now heading to the ghost stories of Chillingham Castle. And as we said, we are staying in the grey apartments. Now, how is your other travel companion, Gail, staying in haunted locations? Pretty shit. Yes. <laughs> Wait till she finds out she's paying £100 to sleep in one of the most haunted locations. We aren't saying a word. We aren't saying a word. We're you realise that she say, listens to these podcasts. Yeah, by the time she hears this one, it'll be too late. I don't know. I okay. don't know about that. I think you're going to need to fess up. No. Gail, I'm, no. I'm thinking she should tell you before. I'm just letting you know I'm on your side. Anyway. I want to read this for you. Okay. And we did do Chillingham Castle not long ago on the True Hauntings podcast. And I did read out this uh, TripAdvisor review uh, only from October 2021. So it's not that long ago. Yeah. And this is from Sweet Audrina. And she said, stayed at Chillingham. For the second time for four nights. Oh my God, how, God, how much money is she got? <laughs> Holy God. God. <laughs> I just realised. A year's worth of wages. <laughs> oh, <coughs> far out. And stayed again in the grey apartment. Beautiful large room with a full kitchen, dining room, two bedrooms, and a lovely log burner fireplace in the living room. Oh, bless. Everything perfect as it was the first time we stayed. Is it haunted? Well, I'm a sceptic personally. However, Chillingham Castle is the only place that has made me question this. And I've been to Pavalia Island. So we know that Pavalia is like crazy. Uh, The first few nights were pretty quiet. The fireplace tools did swing around on their own. And there was a weird reoccurring noise of fabric fabric sweeping along carpet. Uh, And the final night we kind of felt like we'd outstayed our welcome. The wardrobe wardrobe door swung open just as I was getting into bed. Uh, and she's got a few little notes in there. Um, husband jammed it shut with a bit of cardboard, but unfortunately it then proceeded to rattle and bang throughout the night as if somebody wanted it open. And I don't believe in ghosts, so nothing to worry about, Right. Well, I'll admit I was scared at this point. Husband woke up in the middle of the night after hearing bagpipes. Okay. And I woke up to the sound of horses' hooves in the courtyard. We bumped into Sir Humphrey on the way out, who had been who had overheard us joking about the wardrobe ghost. He told us he had spoken with the ghost in that room before about messing with the furniture <laughs> and was disappointed to hear it was still happening. He walked off saying it completely it was completely unacceptable. <laughs> Now, doesn't that sound awesome? Mm-hmm. Oh, who gets the room with the, the haunted wardrobe? God. Uh, I'm just, look, we're going to be in this amazing suite and we're going to be eat, eating two-minute noodles because that's all we can afford. Yes. <laughs> yep. So the kitchen's going to get a workout. And we've also got to have a look into the torture chamber. Now, you did mention the torture chamber. Yes. And there was a very famous torturer there, a man called John Sage. And he sounds like he was mentally unwell. Oh, no. And used to enjoy his job just a oh, little bit no. too much. No, 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 no. Uh, he had a tiny little cage that was hardly big enough to keep a parrot in, but he used to like to put people in it. 
people locked in there. And then he'd put a fire underneath them. Oh, yes, I, I remember this. And um, he would cook them. Mm-hmm. But they would be naked and they'd be slowly cooking. And people would be screaming. He also had a bed of nails. Um, he used to like to boil people alive. Uh, gouge their eyes out. Then, oh, the, the barrel. They pointed to the barrel. Um, and it was, I think they called the rat trap, uh, where what they did is they would... Um, <gasps> yes, they'd stick someone in a barrel and put some rats in there. No, oh, they would they would, th- they would gnaw their way yes, in. Yes, it was, what it was is that he would strap them to... I sound too excited, I'm <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Hang on, let me, let me read it so I get it right. Um, what Sage did was first get a live rat. There were always plenty around, gnawing away the dead bodies, or mostly dead bodies. He'd catch the rat and then he'd put it into a barrel. The inside of the barrel was strong, reinforced, but for a small section. He would string up his victim, attach the barrel to their stomach. The only way out for the rat, desperate to escape, was to break through the barrel, the soft part, straight into the stomach of the prisoner and eat its way out. What the hell? Who concocts these things? That's a sick mind. Who does that? And then there's... um, Sage had a girlfriend. Can you believe? <laughs> Who would date this person? <laughs> oh, this is oh, Betty has bad breath. <laughs> you're, you're thinking of bad breath. <laughs> oh my god! Have you? Did you see the rest of his Tinder profile? <laughs> I'd be a little bit more worried than bad bloody breath. All right. So he had a girlfriend called Elizabeth. I'll just keep going over her cack on. Um, and apparently he, he used to sort of enjoy tying Elizabeth to oh, the rack. I don't want to know. I don't want to know. He'd, he'd tie her to the rack oh. and make wild, passionate love to her whilst half strangling her. He sounds like a hoot. <laughs> One night, one night he went too far, couldn't stop himself, and he actually, he actually snuffed her. Right, he's he's um, strangled her and she died on the rack. Whoop, Janana! <laughs> but the sad part was, it took him about ten minutes to notice she died. <laughs> this is not funny, Renata. This is this is dreadful. It's horrible. We're gonna be down in this room it's where horrible. this man did these things. Can we things. tell this story when we're down there? Um, the two of God might realise I've pinched their notes. <laughs> yeah, why not? Let's let's see. We'll put our, our let's, digital let's reenact. On. Well, <laughs> our bag's been sage. Oh, no. oh. I'll have to take a cucumber with me, but you know. <laughs> Anyway, this man went on to do horrible, horrible, horrible things. Um, you mean more horrible? More than that? horrible. Oh. Um, like he rounded up all the prisoners because he was ordered to um, let the prisoners go. Uh, so he he put them all out into the the courtyard and then proceeded to kill them all and uh, made all their children watch them die. And <sighs> he was just a sadistic, very sad creature that was put into a position of power. Anyway, um, that's where we're going to stay. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently there's a witch there as well. Oh. Um, 
there's uh, the still room where paintings are, uh, are hung in there and or hanged in there, whatever you want to call them. She curses anyone who steals anything from the room. Now, I reckon that's a little bit of an old wives' tale to make sure nobody steals anything from the castle. Yeah, I wouldn't be touching anything anyway, just I wouldn't in case. Anyway, just in case. We, we don't, we've got enough witches around. We don't need any more. Um, look, this I'm so excited to stay at this location, Renata. We're this, going to get every every single Everything, cent, everything. Every single cent or pound out of our oh, we're accommodation. <laughs> we're going to drink every cup of free coffee we can get that comes with the room. Um, oh, but dear. <coughs> yeah, this, this is a bucket list one for me. Mm-hmm. I'm very excited to tick it off the list. We love this particular part of the evening where we invite our delightful and gorgeous Christy from Spells and Spirits to give us a magical tip. And hello, Christy. Hello. I, I call it Christy's Magical Moments or Crispy's Magical Moments. Right. Do you okay. like that? Yep. Lovely. Well, you need theme music. I'm so, I'll see what I can do. Yeah, I need theme music. Okay. Yeah. Um. <laughs> okay, Christy. You got that out of your system? Thank you. Wonderful. Uh, uh, what... <laughs> Oh. oh, that's a good one. I think we'll keep that one. Yeah, okay. All right, so what is your magical tip for this week? Well, this week we're going to talk about a herb that is commonly found in everyone's garden and in everyone's cupboard, and it is basil. Ooh. Oh, basil. The old basil. Basil, basil faulty. Mm-hmm. Basil brush. Basil brush. There we go. So because basil is widely available to pretty much everyone, it's a, such a useful herb in all of your spell casting if you want to use it in candle magic um, with that. So most kitchen witches will have basil growing in their garden on their windowsills, things like that. And um, basil has a beautiful, sweet smell and it's um, beautiful, vibrant green leaves. Um, we'll add any sort of fire to any of the spells. So even you can just meditate with basil. Um, to help you become more enlightened. We're talking about basil the herb, not basil the man. Right, yes. But magical uses of basil. So basil is really good to use in any spell casting for money, abundance, astral projection, protection and relationships. Mm. 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 <laughs> so money and abundance. So um, for any witch or anyone who desires to attract more money to them, Basil is a powerful herb that attracts abundance when used in spells and rituals. So you could dress a green candle um, with basil. So you could just place a basil leaf in your wallet if you wanted to attract more money. So when you say dress a candle, what you put a frock on it or? Yes, most definitely. So <laughs> dressing on, a candle. Hang on, hang on, hang on. <laughs> oh, sorry, twice. No, three times. We don't press it again. Don't press it again. <laughs> All right. We're okay. We're safe. All right. So dressing a candle just means, um, you know, you can just have a candle and you can light it. Yeah. Or you can actually craft the the candle for for use in I guess intentionally for what you want to use it for. So you can actually get your candle and always recommend like, you know, you can buy packs and packs of packet candles, but really a little packet of birthday candles is a, probably the better financial option to go, especially if you have to burn the candle the whole way down rather than sitting there for three hours waiting for the candle to burn down. You can just happy birthday and off it goes. Yeah, and it's, it's not size that matters in this case. It's the intention. That's right. 
with candles with that so yeah so you can roll the candle in essential oil you can roll it then in um, any herb that you want to you can inscribe the or um, carve into the candle anything you want so that's dressing candle nice i remember i think renata you made me do that once with some oils and things mm-hmm. we rubbed it in mm-hmm. so yes. you can get your Maybe I'll do a candle, dressing a candle episode. Oh, can we? That'd be great. Yeah, because there's certain ways you can rub it. Yeah, don't be doing that in front of me right here because we're going to lose our crap like we did last week. Yeah, so lucky it's uh, radio and not visual. Um, Yes, so dress the candle. So you can even just place a basil leaf in your wallet to help attract and retain money. Um, And also growing a basil plant is a good physical representation of the abundance that resides within you and your home. So what happens if you kill plants like I do? I don't mean to. They just, they die. I used to be the same. Yeah. So everything that, um, every plant that I ever had would just wither and die Mm. under my loving intentions Mm. and attention. Um, So I guess try and find something that's quite hardy. That can survive me. Yeah. The plastic ones are good. Yeah. So people used to say that the Madonna lilies, like the peace lilies, were indestructible. And I killed so many of those. Oh, they're not good for cats, though, those Mm, ones. Yeah, nor dogs. So um, a little uh, Boston fern is quite good as well. So that's nice little ferny things. And they just require just a little bit of water. Yeah. Yeah, I kill ferns. I kill cactuses. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, a, a cactus will look really good at my place for a really long time, um, and you'll think it's looking really good, but it, it is it's actually died and mummified. Hollow <laughs> on the inside. If you, if you go over there and you touch it, it falls over, and you but go. Your mandrake oh. survived <laughs> only just. Only just, yes. Mm. Don't even talk about my mandrake. Okay, don't mention it. All right, so another use of basil is astral projection. So you can actually make uh, a tea out of basil um, to help to induce, I guess, a shift of consciousness and to help you travel to other dimensions or unseen worlds. So that's not saying that is it hallucinogenic. It's an intentional thing. I was going to say, we could have saved on airfares, but never mind. Yeah. With that, and basil is protection. So, um, I, basil is really good for keeping away unwanted energy, people, and spirits. And boy, do I need some of that. Um, so, <laughs> sprinkle dried and crushed basil leaves around your home um, as a protection ward, or hang up a sprig of the fresh basil over your doorways and you can let it dry. And this can help offer protection to um, all that come and go within your home. Ooh, very nice. And the last one is basil for relationships. So basil has been long time, long time, lovely long time, basil, <laughs> um, has been used in love and relationship magic and to divine the state of current relationships. So um, I guess if you're listening to Anna Renata on a Thursday night free tarot when um, you always get someone, how does Marco truly feel about me? Uh-huh. Tell me what is his feelings towards me? So basil in that case can actually help you to gain some i guess clarity or you could probably just flat out come out and just say how do you feel about me yeah yeah so without psychic um intervention it's amazing how well that works sometimes yeah Mm. but you can place two fresh basil leaves over a burning charcoal if the leaves burn quickly and steadily you have nothing to fear if the leaves fly away or burn unevenly perhaps a second look at the relationship is required Oh, now, that's technical. Can we tell that to them next time oh, they ask yes. how they yes. feel about them? Yes. You've got to go Get burn a, a basil leaf. Burn a basil leaf. Auntie Crispy told us that you've got to burn it and see how it flies away or not flies away. Mm. Right. 
Right. Can't remember what which one's what, but you know, we, mm-hmm. we'll just say go burn a basil leaf. Yeah, that should do. Did you just snort? No, I, I didn't. No. no yep. No, no, you didn't. No. All right. Well, thank you, Christy. That was awesome learning all about basil. Plus, it's also really good in your curries and stuff. Italian cooking. Oh, Italian cooking. Or yeah. basiline chili in spaghetti. Thai. Yeah, spaghetti yeah. bowl. Yeah. Nice. Very nice. Um, okay. Where can we find you? www.spellsandspirits.com.au <laughs> 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 or you, Facebook, Spells and Spirits. You probably just say spellsandspirits.com.au and people will get that. I know, but I sort of don't remember it unless I say the www. Uh, no worries thank you so much for joining us this week uh, Christy will be back next week with another episode of Christy's Magical Moments you're listening to the Spooky Sundays podcast with Anne and Renata welcome back everyone and this is it this is the wrap up of the the 17th of April show and um, we're going to have a fabulous week ahead of us what do you think you're looking forward to the most out of that big list oh I don't know. Everywhere, everywhere. I'm excited to go back to Pendle Hill. Yeah. Uh, and but that was last week. This oh, is this week. <laughs> Can you remember what week we, when we started know. this? We're going, hang I on, what's the date? Which show is it? What are we doing? Oh, it's uh, – we, we really wanted to get all this out for you guys so that you can follow our story. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, look, the road trips themselves are hilarious. That's a thing. Yeah. You know, when we get into the car and we kind of are in this confined little space, it's yep. like we go nuts. And this is why I bought a <coughs> GoPro, mm-hmm. particularly for this. So I've got the window mount and we're going to whack it up in the corner and I've even worked out how to get microphones onto it now so that the sound quality will be decent mm-hmm. and uh, we are going to record some of these road trips for you um, and be shout out to Steve Chandler from Uncensored Radio who has stepped up to help us uh, yeah. edit these, this stuff up. Um, bless you, Steve. Honest to God, I don't know how you put up watching hours of us do our craziness because it's, it's insane. Um, but look, to follow us, you need to go over to YouTube and you need to subscribe to Anne and Renata Ghost Hunters because we will be going live there. Mm-hmm. Uh, we will have videos that are going up there. Um, we're going to try and send stuff back to Steve as we're going and he might be able to get some little clips and pieces up as we're going as well. But uh, we will put some photos and things up on Facebook, but we can't stream to both at the one time. So And also we've got to remember that YouTube will monetize what we're doing and if that makes us an extra dollar, then at the moment we need it. Yeah, that, <laughs> that is true. So the more people that can follow us on YouTube, uh, the more you're doing us a big favour. And I want to also, while we're here, give a big shout out to our volleys who are holding the fort yes. at home for us with Newcastle Ghost Tours and running the Maitland Jail Tours and making all that still tick over while we're living it up mm-hmm. all now sharing half a sandwich and a mouthful of coffee each in the Li- UK. Living La Vida Loca. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you, you guys, for um, holding the fort. Yep. Uh, and if you want to do some tours with Newcastle Ghost Tours, we've got loads coming up there. What's some of the locations that you have, Renata? So we have Miss Porter's House in Newcastle West, of course, that 
awfully – that sells out so awfully quickly. Because there's only eight people that yeah, can go. Yeah, you really have to book very quickly. Or you can also book a private uh, group tour there. Uh, they always need the money. Uh, we also do Stroud, which we just um, have done most recently. That is an awesome well, tour. some of us did, but I was locked down. <clears throat> <Yeah, go> sorry. <laughs> I enjoyed myself. Yeah, good and uh, we oh, Gloucester. always have Gloucester, Gloucester oh, Tops yeah. um, and uh, Copeland Mines. So the Mountain Maid Copeland Mine site. Of course, we have Maitland Jail. That is normally booked out a month in advance at this yeah, stage. Yeah, sometimes two months in advance. Yeah, so you've got to get in quick for that. Um, We've got else? Bruff and Grossman. Yeah, Grossman House. That's in Maitland um, as well. We've got Old Dubbo Jail. Old Dubbo Jail, yes. Now, when those pop up, grab them quick because they are um, rare. We yep. don't do them a lot. It is a long way away for us to go. Same as Prince Henry Hospital. Yep. You've got to watch the Randwick Council site for that one, and that one's extremely limited. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, hopefully at some stage maybe um, we might put one or two new tours up if yeah, they become a available. Yeah, we've got a sleepover. coming up at Maitland Jail? Yes, yeah. When's that? I have no idea. You'll have to look it up. <laughs> that, now that won't I be available. June. Yeah, that won't be available on the Maitland Jail website. Normally you have to book those ones through Maitland Jail, the all the Maitland Jail 101s. This one you will book through um, uh, Frightfully Good, is yes, it? Yes, yes. It's a private hire. So we're hiring the yes. jail out for this one um, and putting it on. But we've got to get out of here. Yes. We've got to wrap this show because we've got stuff to do. Mm. We're dreaming of Scotland. We're thinking of you guys. So thanks for sticking with the program while we are away. We love you all and we'll see you on the dark side. And don't forget... Stay spooky. Most mysteries can be solved by looking at the facts. But sometimes the facts don't give us the answer. So it's time to call in Anne and Renata. Spooky Sundays, when the truth lies beyond a logical answer. Dive deep into the world of the unknown with real ghost stories and the unexplainable. Sometimes unconventional, but always entertaining. It's Spooky Sundays with Anne and Renata. Sunday from 8pm, only on Newcastle Live.